hello everyone and welcome to Open Sources Guelph on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico and joining me is... Scotty Hertz. That was quite the uh, Culture War playoff match this morning, eh, Adam? <laughs> like everybody in town was there. No home for hate one, leave our kids alone, nil, is my uh, analysis yeah. of <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, one team came prepared. They had watched all the tape. Uh, they had made sure that uh, everything was sorted. They had a game plan, and another side just had megaphones and uh, the the sheer will that they were on the right side of not just history, um, but righteousness as well. So it was um, it was quite a show. Quite a show down at Market Square today. Brilliant match in downtown Guelph this morning. Yeah. <laughs> we were getting the sports commentary, you know. Mm, this is yeah. sports for us, I think, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it is literally the closest we'll come to sports ball. <laughs> but, uh, open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show. And you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada. And around the world, and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be Ward 5 City Councilor Kathy Downer, who's going to talk to us about housing, heritage, and parking, plus a little bit about homecoming this weekend. I did try to look for a synonym, starting with H for parking. Uh, no such luck. Sorry about that. Uh, that's that's going to be... It is, a, yeah. yeah helipad. Helipad. <laughs> Oh, man, if we had a helipad problem downtown. Um, that's going to be at the bottom half of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk, talk about a few news items from the last week, including COVID-19. Everyone with a stethoscope is trying to get us ready for cold and flu and COVID season. But are we prepared? First, though, uh, Parliament is back. Uh, it looked like we might be spending the first week back at Parliament talking about inflation and housing and um calling grocery store ceos um to parliament to uh, i don't know frog march them and <laughs> in the hopes that they might cut grocery prices um but there was big news first day back when justin trudeau announced that uh the government of india was responsible for the murder back in june of hardeep singh nijar who was a uh, a sikh Khalistani separatist emigrated to Canada in the mid 90s um, and has lived here ever since. Mark Miller did confirm that he is a Canadian citizen. So what we're talking about here is extra judicial murder of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil by a foreign government. Um, it has certainly ratcheted up tensions with India, uh, who has um, issued a travel advisory to anyone from that country traveling to Canada. Um not sure if that's a, a slap against Canada or if they're perhaps um, warning Hindu Indians of potential, uh, I don't know, of perhaps uh, some potential blowback from the, the Sikh community here. It's worth noting that Canada is home to one of the largest Sikh diasporas. Over 700,000 people of the Sikh faith do call Canada home, according to the 2021 census. But uh, I think one of the Interesting things here is that uh, a lot of people from Pierre Polivare to his fellow conservative caucus to right-wing media in Canada were 
uh, kind of yucking it up at Trudeau's expense that things seemed kind of chilly be- between him and Mohinder Modi mm-hmm. at the G20 a couple of weeks ago. Well, now we know why. Oh, absolutely. And this story's got an international too. It actually headlined on BBC Democracy. And I was surprised because normally Canada's not that far up in the, in the, in the storyline usually. Yeah. But yeah, this is blown wide open, especially since we're supposed to be allies Yeah. in the scheme of things. And I did see something on news that there's a, like a, a military cooperation summit of some kind going on in India and the, and the head of that was like, no, Canada will be coming. And, you know, that doesn't, whatever's going on there doesn't affect us at all. Although it will, mm. the chill, the chill will start to bleed through everything. But in terms of uh, that, summit or wherever it's going to be it, it will go ahead but yeah whatever whatever they thought parliament was going to be about this week it is totally not about that at all they tried they really tried but this was like a bombshell and trudeau definitely wouldn't say this unless there was really good intel on it yeah now it's still not they did it but it was you know we have reason to believe so there was a little bit of couching there but it's uh, this is massive, and like you said, when the the trade talks fell apart, it was like, oh, see, it's another failed trip to India from Trudeau, and it turns mm-hmm. out that no, there was actually a bigger reason because uh, Modi just shut everything down after that because he brought it up like he is supposed to do, right? So Trudeau's effectively doing his job at this point, but mm. and why it's such a huge story? It's like extrajudicial killings among allies is highly unusual Mm -hmm. except maybe i would say in a time i mean we're global crisis sure but you know you you need to go back quite a ways before this thing was happening this type of thing was happening with regularity and there there have been times when it has but yeah for um this it's highly unusual and i i mean i wonder what the trail is the the conservatives are demanding that of course they want to know everything, but if CSIS and others are like, no, actually we can't really tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it's the same thing. Like before, it's like, well, if you sign the document, you can see everything you like. It probably is, right? But they're doing, they're trying again to gain political advantage from this, and it doesn't look like they can because it sounds like there is universal condemnation of this. At least there was in the House when it was revealed. Well, it, it, in terms of the intelligence, I've I have heard speculation from people who would know that this may this is perhaps a five eyes thing and five eyes is a an intelligence sharing agreement with us uk australia and i think new zealand like the sort of like the five english majority english speaking powers um and and so if if it's like american intelligence or uk and also you have to keep in mind sources and methods and things like this isn't it's a little bit different from the Chinese election interference, but I, I I hear what you're saying because yeah, that was a simple matter of you know Justin Trudeau saying like, look, if you want to look, if you want to, if you want to go into the top secret closet and read all the top secret reports, we'll let you. <laughs> you, just have to, like <laughs> you just have to fill out this piece of paper, and both Pierre Polivare and and Yves said like, no, we're not going to fill out your stupid paper. And then you know Pierre Polivare makes a big show of bringing the redacted documents to a press conference and throwing them. Like, look at all this blacked out stuff. Um, yeah, so it, it could be uh, sort of, a, it is hard to believe 
that something like this happened and and those bigger intelligence agencies out of UK and the US didn't know anything. And it's also worth noting too, um, other uh, Sikh separatists um, or people who support the separation of, of Sikhs into their own separate state uh, were killed on around the same time, one in Pakistan and the other one in the UK. So this seemed to be sort of a coordinated thing where they were going after um i guess maybe some of the biggest dissidents um keep in mind too that jigar or um nijar sorry um they, they were kind of after him. they've kind of been after him for years they they've accused him of being behind uh bombing at a movie theater in um somewhere in india obviously i can't remember where exactly uh, I have it written down. Uh, anyway, um, that was about 2007. Uh, they went so far as having Interpol, uh, uh, you know, put out a warrant, not like a red notice. Red notice is like the, uh, you know, kind of like most wanted territory for Interpol. Uh, and the RCMP like questioned him for like 24 hours then in, in 2018 and let him go. So, um, somebody in India has wanted this guy out of the way for a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it seems like, and, and I've heard, I, I have heard from like intelligence, not me personally, but I have read insights from people in intelligence for like, you know, if this was sort of an extrajudicial killing, uh, it was sloppy um, because who else would want this guy dead and, you know, to shoot him dead in front of a, a, a temple too is, you know, especially given his position in the community is kind of like triply bad. So this was, this wasn't just like typical statecrafts called duggery. Like they were rubbing our face in it almost. And it's, it's kind of, it's, it, it kind of makes it all the more surprising that this was indeed uh, seemingly a hit job. Yeah, it's, it seemed to have all the hallmarks, right? But it's, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I guess it's they'll play the oh, investigation ongoing card for a while, and it may it may die down a bit. But I, I don't in, in the immediate future, it's not it's not going to. It's yeah. gotten the world's attention at this point. So yeah, uh, and all the focus will be on that. And like I said, the focus will be off Parliament Hill. Same with a bit later in the week or well, Thursday day our show airs. Zelensky is coming to town. Mm -hmm. So that once again will just draw what whatever the opposition we're trying to focus on, like all those things you you mentioned off the top, is just going to get sucked away. Because I guess he's doing a speech to joint parliament as well. Is that yes, on, that's on Friday. So and was at the UN all week too, which is also clocking in as a top story. Yeah. Um, so that again, it's. Yeah. International geopolitics will completely detract from the price of groceries at you know take your <laughs> pick, even though the supermarket uh I was gonna call them something, I won't use that word, going that summoned <laughs> with uh Christopher Leland tapping your foot saying, Now come on guys, what are you gonna do here? And uh I you know, that's or is it champagne is on is on that as well. So there was a little bit of that before everything happened this week, but i you know, I as we know, the only way to lower grocery prices is to lower grocery prices. But yeah, <laughs> I right, did a bit of a 180 there, but I was just like, maybe we should mention something that they're trying to talk about. But it's uh, I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, to bring this back to, to sort of India, it, it, it's a bad time 
for i mean it's and never a good time probably to go to send guys to your allies country and double tap somebody you don't like politically but um it you know the world right now is looking at ways to sort of box in china and try and you know um arm twist china into making some changes and be you know being a better uh neighbor on the world stage india is a big part of that because india is right next door to china and with a population almost as big so you know all our threats about you know well you know china you could join the 21st century or we could like go and work with india exclusively and build up their population and make them rich um that's you know sort of what's in trouble too and and to for, for people who think you know trudeau's doing a wag the dog moment like do you really think like any world leader in the 21st century wants to get up in front of their <laughs> legislature and go, oh, yeah, India, which is this country we're investing a lot of money in and, and have big expectations for and have a lot of these economic tentacles. Yeah, they're killing people on our soil and like doing us like a political stunt. So um, I know India. a lot of this seems to be coming from India, too. A lot of this like sort of um, trying to. Uh, trying to undermine confidence in, in in what Trudeau was reporting, uh, a lot of this seems to be coming from you know India-based bots and 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 players like oh Trudeau's trying to Trudeau's already backing down from his incredible claims. Like even the U.S. doesn't have his back. Well, it's I'm I, I that doesn't seem to be the case. I think this is I mean it's understandably created like a really kind of shock to the system because a lot of faith has been put in. India and Modi, despite perhaps some reasons to be doubtful of that faith, but it it it, it is kind of a shock to think that you know this is something that happened. India sent somebody to kill a, a political dissident that they didn't like, and you know it's it's going to be tough to figure out how to go from here. Unfortunately, you know, having patience and seeing where things go isn't exactly our strong suit right now. We kind of want immediate action on all things, mm-hmm. and I mean and. Uh, you know, I won't say it that <laughs> who's kind of really upset about sort of losing their uh, losing the higher ground and being able to attack Trudeau this week. But um, it 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 is a situation. This is like one of those kind of like world politics chess move kind of things that, you know, yeah. it, that you requires like real strategizing and real like anticipation and what all the moves are. And, you know, um I'm not sure Trudeau's really great at that. I'm not, but I'm, you know, uh, the populace in general doesn't really have a lot of patience with that either. And it's, it's, you know, it's going to be hard figuring out what to do from here. Yeah. Well, there was the, the expulsion of the diplomats and that's always a tit for tat thing, right? Mm-hmm. Jolie came out and said, okay, you're gone. And then India did the same shades of the cold war. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. guess that's the kind of thing where no one really wants to go because we know, we know how that goes. Right. But mm-hmm. But I, th- I remember hearing Adam. Uh, I, c- I can't remember if it was late last week or even over the weekend. It was they were talking a bit about how when they're going to have the discussions about election interference or when a, talking election interference, it isn't just limited to China, right? Yeah, there's this very strong implication that India is involved with that. And can't, when you said the bots, that's what reminded me of it. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a case of well, we all do it. They all do it. So, but I don't think everybody does it. Ru- Russia is notorious for doing it, um, and other countries too. China obviously was was mentioned the top the top one when this came up. But uh, I think there's certain parts of the community saying don't underestimate what India may or may not be doing uh, in Canadian elections allegedly. So there's that as well. 
and I'm sure it'll be brought to the top. It'll like come to the top now. It may have just been sort of in the periphery, but uh, I think it's it's going to be a thing. I it's it's definitely going to be a thing. Just keep in mind, you know, there are a great number of people here of of India descent, first generation, new new Canadians, first generation, second generation. So you know it. They represent a pretty pretty big portion of our population and um, are, are pretty big political force. So, it, I mean, there, there's kind of real on the ground effects for people too, uh, in our community as well. Um, speaking of our community, you may have noticed that uh, the Wellington Defer and Guelph Public Health have uh, revamped the dashboard for new COVID nineteen cases, and it now includes RSV as well but uh, i mean that is a concern of course but COVID 19 is uh not that it ever really went anywhere but it's kind of back um there are kind of two variants going around right now and so we thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk about just sort of where things sit um eg.5 and ba.2.86 those are the two variants going around eg.5 is kind of like the dominant strain right now um ba ba.2.86 um is is the new one uh popped up at around mid-august in denmark and israel and it's started making its way here i think there's about a dozen cases of it in canada as of september the 11th uh we still don't know a lot about that one we do know that eg.5 is not as severe in terms of the symptoms apparently not as transmissible as other omicron variants earlier omicron variants but still uh if you're hearing people uh, <laughs> uh hearing people cough on the bus or uh you know in the movie theater or wherever um you know even ter- dr Teresa tam is saying like hey uh maybe a good idea to start wearing your mask a bit more often now Yep, and she had that press conference with all that masks on. Everybody went, "Whoa, wait a second. Yeah, but yet, yeah, <laughs> you know, Dr. Moore from Ontario comes out and says, well, you don't really need that right now. So the mixed messaging isn't helping at all. But here's my own anecdotal. Went for a walk through the neighborhood on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I live in the ward, as people know. Mm-hmm. Every block, every street, people coughing in their homes. Mm-hmm. And I could hear them out on the road. Mm-hmm. And I would say throughout the entire pandemic, that's something I haven't heard. Note how I used pandemic in the present tense, because mm-hmm. it's still going on. If there's one thing that rankles me when I hear it is that, well, you know, when, you know, now that we're in the post-pandemic era, whatever the hell they're saying now, it's like, no, no, it's still here being proven again and again with this new, the new variants, as you mentioned, which are, I think they're of the Omicron family, right? There are, yeah, they're descendants of Omicron. This Parola's got a bunch of uh, spike proteins, like way more than before. So it just kept mutating because people have, they're just not doing anything anymore, right? It's mm-hmm. try to get uptake on boosters, probably going to be lousy like before. And I, I I don't know if that's part of public health's logic, kind of put lumping it all together. It's like, oh, there's the flu and there's this and that. And, oh, by the way, COVID as well. You should probably think a bit about that. But well, I think hearing... that's the logic of doing like flu combined flu and COVID booster clinics. I think that's probably the logic there. It's like, well, you're already here to get your flu shot. Maybe, can I give you another COVID booster? And I think most people are probably going to go, yeah, all right. So Yeah, but it's weird how people kind of accept flu because it's been with us a long time, obviously way longer than COVID, but it's, it's easy to say to somebody, and people are saying it too. It's like, oh, I've got this really bad flu or oh, I've got this really bad cold. When they test people for for every, all respiratory viruses that are going around, 
number one with a bullet or with extra spike pipe proteins is <laughs> is COVID-19. Mm. SARS-CoV-2. That's what it is. You think you got a cold? You probably got COVID. And I, 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 it amazes me. We've talked about this a lot over the years, obviously, but it, I just cannot fathom why people that should <laughs> should know. Um, but what was this uh, today? Just for airtime, I saw that U.S. is going to free COVID tests for everybody again. Mm-hmm. So there's all these little things happening every day, creeping up to the big picture. It's like it's still with us. You still need to be aware. It never went away. You should probably get all of the stuff, your boosters and that. But it's, uh, yeah, I hate to seem like uh, Cassandra bleeding away. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like, right? No, but it's it, there, there's, yeah. there is a perfect storm happening now where, like, people have let down their guard completely, almost. And it was kind of weird being at that protest today because the organizers of the counter protest were like hey hey everyone you know mask up and i i was my mask was on and off depending on how many people are around i i confess um but you know it, I, for the most part if i was talking to someone i was masked up because you know there are people who are immunocompromised and people who have health issues and i think those are the people we've we continue to largely forget in the aftermath of this that you know they're not feeling 100 percent secure in um let's call them the after times here and the you know as we've been going about we've you know people got got people most people did really really good like uptake on the two original shots was like 90 95 percent but then third shot it went way down and then for the fourth shot it went way even further down and so there are a lot of people walking around who just have the original two shot immunity and maybe three shot but most people didn't get the four shot um last fall so whatever immunity people had is waning people aren't wearing masks or protecting themselves or even using the the um the not the moisturizer what is it the hand sanitizer hand sanitizer (laughs) that's right they're not it's used been so long we forgot <laughs> uh, yeah i mean that's not that doesn't get used to, it's still up in a lot of places even it doesn't get used as much it is a lot of that like extra clean stuff that you know kept people safe from not just covid but from like the common cold and rsv and all these other things people just were like people just stop doing that and stop using those skills um and and it, i think it goes back to the original sin of the pandemic which was um people saying wear a mask until we get back to normal instead of saying wear a mask to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's sort of where we are because I mean, I walk into places where I'm you know the only one wearing a mask and I mean, it does, you know, I don't like, I don't like wearing a mask. It's hot. If especially it's hot outside or whatever, but you know, it's, we really have lots of sort of community that, that community risk sharing that um that was around in covid where everyone would mask up everyone would take the precaution everyone would stand apart everyone would cover their mouths when they cough everyone stay home when they're coughing and you know do all the other things and you know it'll be interesting to see if that's something we come back to um now that we're seeing the canada's head doctor doing press conferences and masks again yeah and the trolls came out virtually right away right Mm -hmm. but that's Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. 
I think part of it with the shots is that everybody thought it was just going to sterilize it, right? You get your shot or a couple of shots maybe, and then that would be the end of COVID. And it isn't. Sure. Yeah. So then there's there also there's this fatalistic strain among people that just they just can't do it anymore. And like you said about the marsh this morning, masks were well, they said required. wasn't It wasn't total compliance. But yeah. in terms of anything that I've seen in the past three plus years, it was the best masked event beyond that time early 2020s where it was like, okay, we're doing this. We're going to try and knock it down. Yeah. And did for a time, and now we don't. But yeah. there's, I mean, to give just another couple of anecdotal things, I, I because because I'm older, <laughs> I know a lot of people in the older demographic, and everyone I know that has had COVID, that has had other health issues, mm. has suffered greatly from those other health issues the minute they got COVID. Mm. All, everyone yeah. that I can think of off the top of my head, that's happened to so what other thing is it in society? I mean, it used to be this way with smoking, I think, right? It was like, mm. and that took years and years. There was a long decline. And I have to say at one point I indulged as a stupid kid, but let, you know, we'll <laughs> put that aside. So, I mean, I, no one's perfect, right? But yeah, but that that's that's almost gone. Although today I saw quite a few people. I'm like, what, what are you doing? But anyway, we won't go that way. But yeah, so there's that, but also... I heard a very interesting anecdote saying that if you see ivermectin trending mm. on socials, like we follow them, if you see ivermectin just blowing up, that again is another way to measure, <laughs> particularly in the states, but right, yeah, it's here as well. That this thing is blowing up, and it is. It's been a nasty. I mean, as I said, a lot of it's anecdotal, but there's there's a lot of truth in there. Mm. So. I don't know where this is going to go. I didn't well, I, know in 2020. <clears throat> I don't know in 2023 and 2024 who like, we're just accepting this now. And when I say we, I mean, society in general, certain ones try a bit more than we do. Well, to but, bring this back to, to science, like Peter Hotez, who is um, a vaccine researcher in a, I think I can't remember the name of the hospital. It's a children's hospital in Texas. So he's, he's got a new book out called the deadly rise of anti-science and i saw an interview with him as he's promoting it and he's like you know half the people who died of covid in florida died after the vaccines were mass available like half the people who died of of covid died even though there were vaccines available mm -hmm. when when they died so i mean to, when you bring up ivermectin i just you know i think of that statistic too it's it i mean we we can get through this if we want to use the tools but it, it seems like fewer and fewer of us want to use those tools i hope that might maybe we can be scared into changing that in the fall but we'll have to see um for now we're going to leave that there uh coming up next though we have our interview with kathy downer you are listening to open sources guelph here on cfru 93.3 fm CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. That nagging cough. 
vultures nags and nags that nagging cough you better pack your bags because it's hard to get off when you're riding with the nagging cough I'm not sure if plague songs are a genre now but it may be a growing thing and I, that last song is proof of that. It's from an album called Seven Plague Songs by an artist called Jeff Burner, who happens to be the last artist I saw in person before everything went south. I see. Appropriately. And that, if you didn't guess, song was called Nagging Cough. <laughs> A product of its time, which is right now. You're living it, folks. You're living history. So, you know, when we talk about plague songs, is it because like he, he made it during the plague or it's because it's about a plague? I think it's both. It's both. It's both. Okay. It's both. He's, he's not a touring musician anymore for reasons. Right. So, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, when you hear Neil Young's asking for negative tests before any of his shows, I mean, you know, the times are changing. Well, <laughs> that's, that's, first of all, that's Bob Dylan. Um... <laughs> oh, no, it's Neil too. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, oh, um, I see me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. We're on the same page. Yeah. Um, speaking of being on the same page, uh, we reached out to Ward Five Councilor Kathy Downer, who, uh, amongst other places, represents CFRU at City Council. Um, a lot going on at City Council these days. Uh, there's a big housing meeting last week. Um, there is another housing meeting coming up in mid October. Uh, we're going to be talking about parking minimums uh, again next week at city council. I say we, cause uh, I mean, I have no say, but I'm there all the time. Hmm. Uh, also heritage. Kathy Downer is the council representative to heritage Guelph. And if you've been following the drama about the stone wall that collapsed on the OR lands, uh, Kathy's been on top of that. So we're going to talk about all this stuff and maybe a bit of homecoming too. We'll squeeze that in at the end. And uh, here's Kathy Downer, who we recorded an interview with uh, earlier today. So check it out. Here it is. Okay. So we're now being joined by Kathy Downer live from undisclosed location, perhaps in Northern Ontario, but uh, we're happy you're here, Kathy. Hi, Adam. Happy to be here too. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I want to address first the the housing meeting that happened last week. Um, I got the sense, and maybe this is just a me thing, but I got the sense there was a lot of hope that there would be some sort of like real direction coming out of that. Um, that you know, there's such a. I guess that there, there's a map now, and we'd be going in that, following those directions on that map. That's kind of not what happened. It's kind of still very general in terms of where we're going to go with housing. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I got that sense from the consultant's report, so collective results, that a lot of it's around advocacy, and they just sort of talking about the situation as it is now. So I was sort of, you know, so the staff will need to come back with some sort of direction on that. However, you know, actually, on the flip side of that, I was really uh, quite struck with the report from the county on housing and the things that were coming in place as of you know October first, the emergency housing beds that were coming up um, were being opened up. I mean, it was discouraging to hear how many more we needed, but also that they were they were opening up these beds um, and you know the amount of money that's needed you know to deal with more of that is 
uh, is also concerning. But I, I was sort of optimistic on that end that they they sort of had a bit of a plan. It seemed um, so that was that was good, and, and we'll hear about a bit more about about what we can do um, next month. But you know, it it is going to take a lot of collaboration, and I was really pleased about. Um, when uh, Louisa Artuso, the, the county manager, talked about doing a symposium, because many had been talking about doing a summit, which is similar to what happened in London, um, and where they created a plan out of it. And so since then, actually, I've had a chance to talk to Louisa, and that is the hope for her, the symposium. So it's great to see the county taking leadership. Uh, it's great that they want to do this symposium to create a plan uh, for, for um, you know, supportive housing and, you know, with the wraparound services. Um, so a house, it'll be a housing and health plan. So that, that's, that part is in, encouraging. I sort of feel we're sort of starting to move um, as well. But you're, I, you're right. I thought I think initially before we saw the report that we might get something until staff had said, well, no, there's a bigger plan coming, but it, it sounds like there's a lot of, a lot of things happening at the same time. I, that's, I mean, that's where I wanted to go with this next is just, you know, we're, we're trying to come up with our own plans here in the city of Guelph, the, the county's on it, the cusp of like renew rejuvenating their 10 year housing plan. Yeah. So we're trying to line up with that. On the other hand, we have this situation where we're opening up more emergency beds which sort of speaks to the immediacy of the problem. But at the same time, there's kind of no immediate solutions on the other hand. And we're throwing around these big numbers like 6,000 units um, that have been approved, not built. We need 4,000 units of rent gear to income housing. I, like Phil Alt threw some of that. that. That's about like a $900 million price tag. I don't know where <laughs> we get $900 million from. But yeah, like I, I think what I guess what it comes back to is this is this is still like a tangled knot in the middle of a bunch of tangled knots and we're still trying to undo it and i guess for you as a counselor the pressure is on between you're trying to undo these knots but the desperate need and how do you answer both of those things at the same time right and it's particularly when part of it is out of our jurisdiction with the county right so mm. that was what the relief was in seeing what they're doing in the symposium because there's that left side of the continuum housing continuing the permanent house there's supportive housing and then the um temporary housing and so we do have some of those opening up but you're right it is like we've had to really untangle this knot we've had to have a lot more conversations than say we ever used to with the county um, and we're sort of demanding much more accountability on that part of the continuum. And then on the other side, you know, there's, you know, what we can do is we can enable building, um, mm. you know, the, the 6,000 um, and we can approve what, so make pledges, but we can make pledges forever without, but the builders, because of interest rates and because of all kinds of other things are not building. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's something that feels even more out of our control right now. Um, and so it was, it was a good that the, the Fed stepped in with mm. the um, GSP um, being waived on rental housing because that sort of can take care of a, 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 a portion of that. There still is, you know, a problematic for a lot of people 
you know, just by just the interest rates. I mean, that's again something else out of our control. Mm. But it is like it, it has always been for the last couple of years undoing that now. But the support of housing and and the the fact that we're see, needing those emergency beds, how quickly can we get them moved into supportive housing with all those wraparound services? Because we know that's what works, right? We mm-hmm. know that that um, that that's what works for many. Um, again, it's still not going to be okay. There's still some people that will not be able to be, that have difficulty being housed because of, Sometimes it's mental illness, but it's all, sometimes it's, it is the, the toxicity of the drugs that are on the streets right now, as well as the other part of that problem, right? It makes it difficult to to house um, people with those types of addictions. And there are people who just, you know, for whatever reason, don't trust the system, even if we're trying to right. change the system to, to sort of make it work better for people, like in a supportive housing environment. Right. right. They're hurt. They've been hurt by the system. Yeah. And and they don't right. They don't want to go into that system. So, you know that. So you know we're always going to have that element. But I think that's probably not the case for the majority. I think I think if we can get these supportive housing units built, um, and build more, um, we'll have. Like I said, the sky the, the Kindle one's opening up next month. Yep, that'll be good. And then we've got the other one, uh, the transitional housing one, in uh, next year. But we've got to get some more in the pipeline. We don't have any more in the pipeline now, and that's what we need to get done. Right. That's uh, that's an important thing. We've kind of fo- kind of focused on the fact that we're getting these projects done, and we're, yeah. we we have projects in the process of getting done, but no new projects coming up. Coming up. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm. Hopefully, I can sort of leverage your your longevity in political matters on this. Um. You, you're talking about council. I mean, county. Um, and obviously they, they're a big part. Um, I wonder, are we kind of putting a lot on the county to sort of like hold them closer to try and help address our needs? And it's not like we haven't had relationships with the county, but the count, like the Guelph County relationship has you know been frayed at times. We're, we're building bridges now. There seems to be a good working relationship now, but I, I'm wondering if we're sort of putting too much on the county to help us solve our problems within the city limits even though even the ones that are sort of within their area of responsibility to address um you know i don't think so i think um i think there's an opportunity for that relationship actually because before when i sort of was on council and i left before i when i was on council there was a really good relationship um and then i left for eight years and I, there was a court case i can't remember what it was about it was around mm-hmm. jurisdiction and yeah really created a riff and so I was kind of kind of shocked when I came back and there was like they were kind of talking to us I meet them at social events and it was very cold um so so it does seem that you know we're sort of working back to a much better working relationship and I think I think because of the you know the the, the crisis on that part of the spectrum too and you can see it in the downtown right and everywhere right um that that we're sort of asking for okay more accountability um and 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 what you know what are they doing like so we want information because we have to respond to our constituents right and 
the homeless are our constituents as well, right? Right. Yeah. And so we we have to respond to them, and um, so we have to get more information about what's going on. Um, and and so I'm 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 sort of happy that we're getting a bit more reporting, and, and Louisa has assured me that that's the plan going forward is to have better communication because I think that's part of the issue is the communication. So right. if we can improve that, and actually the report. The collective results reports actually talked about how like some kind of a, a new governance model. And I don't mean that if we're going to take those things back into our jurisdiction. I mean, they've got it, a whole infrastructure set up. But is there a way that we can be a little more involved, have another vote or just be a little more involved in um, in, in the decisions that are being made? Right. Because if social services is at a a council meeting, it's because they've been explicitly invited. Mm -hmm. It's not because it's something like infrastructure development and enterprise, which we know comes Mm -hmm. to the committee of the whole every other month. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I I, I don't think we're putting too much. on. I think we're I don't think we're putting too much on them from a a bill perspective. I think we're we're maybe putting more on them from our expectations around communication and, and reporting back to us for the, you know, the. 20, 20 million or so that we we provide and mm. and and how do we get a, how do we work with them to get a plan to do better right to get right. Back to work and you know they came with a, a bit of a plan and and they're kind of this symposium I, they're taking leadership in that, that you know we've offered to help and be a partner in that as well so that's good all right i want to talk about heritage now um specifically you're the, <laughs> there's a motion coming to next week's meeting um that was uh essentially already passed at Heritage Guelph where you're a, an ex officio non-voting member for people who may not know. Um, it's about encouraging Infrastructure Ontario to address the, the collapsed stone wall on the OR lands. Um, just so people are sort of aware, this this is not within the city's power to fix. People may be deeply concerned about you know any of the heritage assets on the OR lands, but the city can't like send a crew down to fix it right now, just so people understand right yeah it's provincial property so they have um they you know there's that stone walls club there's now the murals have have become an issue and there's the trestle bridge but we're not in a position to to do that It, it the province owns it and actually even if we do that designation like make that a, a heritage district it's the province is not bound by our designating as a heritage district. It's not until the next purchasers can right. do it. So they're not bound to restore anything. Um, but my my sense from a good role perspective is that they agreed for us to go ahead with these agreed, you know, heritage um, designation of the property. So a, a heritage district. So in their agreement to do that, um, I think it's a good idea. And I think, you know, there was ongoing talks about the Trestle Bridge and, you know, the stormwater mm. management plan issue that that's coming up too uh, around the Trestle Bridge. So that's going to be a process there about how do, how do we decide. Um, yeah, so that, that is out of our control. But, you know, but a, a lot of people are getting very concerned about the heritage assets of that district. Yeah. And this le- this leads into my other part of it too, because Infrastructure Ontario said it was natural erosion, which <laughs> I don't know. There's a, there's a distinction without a difference there, but they mean a reaction from a lot of p- folks who are concerned about that heritage assets and are concerned about a lot of heritage assets and concerned by demolition by neglect, which does like actually happen. But you know, they hear that explanation and go, 
sure, natural erosion. And I'm putting on my sarcastic voice, of course, but you know, th- there is there is a gulf, right? And and I'm wondering how we address it. There's a gulf between, you know, skepticism about whether or not whether it's the province of Ontario, whether or not it's a private developer about like protecting you know, heritage assets, what, whatever they are, wherever they are, and whether or not, you know, there's any sort of willpower, I guess, to make sure that those assets are protected. And so that stuff like natural erosion in quote marks doesn't happen. Yeah, that's where I, that's becoming a, a big problem. It, it, it clearly, I, now we, the city didn't get an official response saying it was natural erosion. Somebody right. probably said that to the press. Right. Uh, but I mean, everybody um, who's walked by it is quite clear that it was there one day, and then it was like strewn all over the place the next. So it, yeah. and if you, it, it's not like there's grass growing between the stones or anything. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it, it's kind of um, it's 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 difficult, and, and and yet you know there's no onus on them. Like it would be nice if we could get a conversation going with them about those murals. How do we get them out of there? And I'm sure we could find some way to get them protected um but you know as with you know any provincial agency right now discussions are pretty tense and difficult right um Mm. you know about things happening so uh, it's just a different government um discussions have always seemed to have been a bit difficult with um, infrastructure ontario um as far as i can read there's a tight deadline on all this heritage stuff too. We're almost at the end of the first year of two years before anything that's not designated, but listed is delisted. Yeah. Yeah. It'll get delisted. And, and again, on that probably it won't matter as long as the province uh, right. owns it. But, you know, when you think of the kid barn on, on Gordon street, like, you know, how do we, how do we get developers to maintain these things as, I mean, it was ridiculous that they said they didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it was identified in they, you know, we identified it as a heritage asset in the secondary plan. You really so got that I, lawyer I, on cross, Kathy. You really got her on cross. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> My son's a lawyer. I'll call him. <laughs> Thanks. Because I mean, what she was saying that the proper process for designation was at the heritage committee, but she wanted us anyway. It didn't make any sense, so I was really confused, yeah. uh, supposedly. And uh, but that's the same thing, right? How do we get them to look after those? You know, it's it's not a, a you know, Madame e. Holmes has the means to look after that barn, like mm-hmm. the stone barn. They really wanted to, and and they don't. And we've had that with other property. But you're right. This we're hitting this deadline, and. Um, Thankfully, Heritage Guelph has really been working, uh, bringing forward so many more designations than they had been. Yeah. Um, and they have the resources now to uh, to do that. And the Heritage District downtown should be, uh, is coming up as well. And yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we can preserve as much as we can and, uh, and keep going. That doesn't mean we can't keep going with designations afterwards. It's just that. Yeah. If they're not in their inventory, then yeah, gone. yeah. Um, I want to just move on to another matter at next week's meeting. It's going to come back for approval of downtown parking master plan. <laughs> I imagine the mayor is going to have something in the way of getting to zero minimums uh, for for downtown parking um, requirements um, for new developments. Uh, my question is. 
is this not putting the cart before the horse a bit, like trying to develop, like, shouldn't we be developing the transit infrastructure? And I, I include regional transit in that, because if you want to get out of town, you'd more or less need a car. Um, yeah. And then like active transportation, like trail links. And, and this goes like kind of across town. Like if, if you're like on a bike downtown, like in the core, like the university to downtown core, you're pretty well served with like trails and bike paths and, and transit and things. But, you know, once you kind of get out of the core that getting around town is much more difficult. So isn't like going for the zero, putting the car before the horse. I think so. I think, I think the reduction has to be in tandem with, you know, improved transit, right. So, and, and regional transit at the same time. So, if you want people, you know, living downtown who are working elsewhere in other communities, then we need to have like Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, a better transit system going there. But even if they want to go to, you know, the the industrial parts of Guelph or anywhere else, um, we need to keep improving our transit. That's not to say, so the zero is out for me. And I just had a conversation with actually Councillor Chu about this um, before I was talking to you. Um, you know, is there room to go to a 0.75 or a 0.5 um, to sort of push the envelope? So mm. we know currently it's 0.79, staff said 0.85 to create a buffer, but why would we want to do that? Would we not want to push the envelope just a little bit um, on this, even to 0.75 or 0.55? So that's sort of where I'm thinking. Um, uh, I don't know if I could go to 0.5 right now, but, you know, because you got to remember too that we have a, a downtown business association that's worried about people where are they going to park because people yeah. do take their cars downtown where where are people going to park if you know visitor parking is on the street and and other parking overflow parking is on the streets for any kind of apartments that are going to be built now they're 23 stories so that's a lot of people so that there, there's those that's a, a concern as well but yeah it it, it we don't have a transit system in place now uh, active transportation system that's good enough for us to do zero downtown that's my my view on that yeah um using the little bit of time we have left i i want to talk a bit about it, it's it's homecoming weekend i Yay! know that the <laughs> she says from her undisclosed location um i know the mcgallery <laughs> community had sort of like a meet and greet yeah. Um, with students and I, I i found that interesting because I, I i i guess maybe this sort of fell by the wayside a little bit during the pandemic but there is sort of like this concerted effort to sort of meet students as neighbors and not meet them as nuisances and yeah. as i guess as we're heading into homecoming weekend um are, are, do you have any thoughts about the effectiveness of that like is i mean are we going into another sort of like ah it's the students kind of weekend well, I think I think it helps, right? I, I checked in with Leanne, who I know had attended, um, and there was about fifty people there. So I I thought that was a pretty good. So I, I mean, as a pilot, that's pretty good. And if that other neighborhoods did this, I think if you know students and long term residents, you know, are able to meet, then there's an opportunity for conversations when problems come up, right? Like on homecoming. And we did find last year that there wasn't as uh, so much problems in the neighborhood, um, you know, because the, 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 they all gravitated toward Chancellor's Way. Um, mm. So whether that's helping, I mean, the university, their off-campus student group, they, you know, visit properties along with police that have a, have a history of issues. 
Um, I'm sure with the weather being great this weekend, mm -hmm. you know, who knows, it could be a, a bit more problem in the neighborhood. But, you know, there are extra resources. But I, I like the idea of these meet and greets, and I'd like to see them rolled out um, more across the city in the fall. But also, you know, it's an opportunity to set up stands. And, you know, they were telling them all about the transit system, about waste, you know. So it wasn't just, you know, about that. It was about, like, you know. Welcome and, and here's some information around the community you live in and we're your neighbors. So I think it's great. Mm -hmm. I do wonder, and this is just an aside, you know, if, if that is sort of like the answer. I mean, Chancellor's Way is almost an entirely different beast because it's almost like they should have just called it Student Street or something. But, it, it you know, Ezra yeah. too. <laughs> Ezra too. but you know it, it, it is I, I've talked to people before who like live next to like a student house you know for 20 years and so I've never had a problem because I go over and yep. you know I go over and I introduce myself and we talk and you know and I mean everybody has a, a student horror story but it, it is um it is better if we talk I, it out I would say the same thing half my street students um and yeah we know we, we meet on the street we talk you know if it was and there's the odd time there's a bit of a party and um but usually it, it's not too bad and if it what got that bad we just walk over and say hey guys <laughs> <laughs> but but there are some areas where it's much more concentrated and there's just a few uh, you know um families left living that i think it creates more of a problem and then parking you see some dangerous things too right around sure. homecoming drinking on the roof and people passed out on lawns, but you know, it's kind of scary because you don't know whether to call, you know, 911 or not. So that's the experience of, of some of them. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the other thing too, is like, I, I just questioned homecoming too. And we talked about that earlier. It's like, you know, who's coming home. I always say that who's coming home. What, is, like, what really is homecoming? I know this big football game, but you know, um, I think it's, uh, you know, it would be nice if, that got re-messaged somehow <laughs> yes <laughs> i'd love to go to chancellor's way on saturday and like who are the griffins playing today and see if, yeah exactly. how many wrong answers i get oh what there's a football game today <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll have to leave that there but uh yeah. Downer, thank you so much for your time today Thank you. Thank you thank you adam have a great day and once again that was kathy downer you can find her anywhere in ward five item Probably not anywhere in Ward 5, but <laughs> she'll definitely be at City Council on Tuesday and uh, for many Tuesdays after that. It's We're, we're going into a busy time this fall. So um, we'll, we'll take Kathy Downer off the board because uh, she's she's done her two this year. <laughs> <laughs> two and done. That's our rule. Well, I mean, we, we like to cycle in all of yeah, our yeah. city councilors, and we also like to talk to other people as well. So it's, you know, it's it's a system we have, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. Works, works well. It works. It does work well, I think years so. Years now. It's been years. Yeah. Uh, not, not to spoil anything, but we start, we start season 10 in January. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler Let's get all the special guest stars in for the... <laughs> for the 10th season. Yeah. <laughs> Uh anyway. We're already here. Yeah. <laughs> Send in <laughs> the clowns. Um, that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can listen to our show again by downloading it every Monday from our website, opensourcesguelph.com. You can get it at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app like Apple Stitcher, Google TuneIn, and Spotify. 
You can stay connected to us on social media. We're on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. I will be back here on CFRU Wednesday at 3 p.m. for the movie review show I co-host called End Credits. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter, such as it is, and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, <laughs> or you can go to my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And I'm on, I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Twitter for now as well, <laughs> and Blue Sky which is probably the future. And if you're joining us at our regular time on a Thursday, please stay tuned for the great Turtle Island Underground. And that is one of the many great programs that you'll hear on this network, CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. As for this show, we'll return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources, and we will see you then. Thank you.